Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 49 of the John Riley Project. It's Thursday, May 9th, 2019, broadcasting from the city in the country, Poway, California, and from the fabulous JRP podcast studios here in my living room. And uh, welcome. Thanks for joining me on episode number 49. Today, we're going to talk about uh, comfort zones and breaking out of your comfort zones. Um, I've got some comments on a number of topical things that are in the news, um, you know, with... Uh, um, with some sports and some politics. So I'll share some thoughts there. Um, but uh, I, I think I, we have some good stuff to share with you. But I think before we get into it, you know, um, you know, here in Poway, you know, we're still reeling. Our community is still wounded from the shooting that occurred. Gosh, it's been, um, what, almost two weeks now um, at the Poway Chabad, uh, the Jewish synagogue here in town. Um, you know, People here in Poway are still asking hard questions. It's still a major topic. We're still feeling it. Um, you know, I did my last podcast about the uh, Chabad shooting, um, shared that in social media. It's generated a lot of really interesting conversations. Um, but, um, yeah, I just, for those of you, I know I have a lot of listeners and viewers that are here in Poway, but, you know, we're working hard to grow the audience. So hopefully some of you aren't from the Poway area. And, um, you know, we've been in the news lately our city and um you know it's tough um you know we're still kind of going through our grieving process as a community um but uh, we're making progress and that's good um but you know just now on the heels of the shooting at the Poway Chabad there's been these school shootings um that have been in the news the last couple of days i mean it's almost getting to the point where you can't keep track of them anymore and then um there was another one that happened that, you know, really hit close to home for our family um, that I want to share the story with you. Well, first of all, you know, the Poway Habad shooting took place like roughly a mile from my house. I mean, very close. Um, but, um, you know, the there was a there was a shooting um, that occurred where the um, a young man, his name's Jackson Weller, who is a teammate of my son on uh, the University of New Mexico's baseball team. He was brutally shot and murdered last Friday night, Saturday morning in Albuquerque. And this has been a big deal um, for my family, for my son, uh, for my wife and I and my daughter. Um and it's been a big deal for the baseball program at the University of New Mexico, for the Albuquerque community in general. It, um, it was just a terrible incident. Um, this this uh, young man, 23-year-old, his name's Jackson Weller. Um, you know, he he actually got to know my son, Trevor. Uh, my son, you know, he's only a 19-year-old. He's, he's a freshman on the team. But he and Jackson bonded because they shared um, some, um, you know, common, uh, you know, they had common interests. Like they were both big fans of Game of Thrones. And so they would get together on Sunday night and watch Game of Thrones together. And so, you know, as a freshman on the baseball team, this is one of the, you know, the older guys. It was someone he looked up to. And this Jackson Weller was just a tremendous young man, just always positive, um, always out there to support his team. Um, he was injured in the fall. He had some, I think, some bone chips removed from his uh, throwing elbow. And so he was you know, really on the injured list, but just he was still part of the baseball family at the University of New Mexico. And so 
you know, for my son, this has been pretty heavy. This is like a person in his life that's no longer here. Um, and then, um, you know, as a parent, you see your son grieving. It's it's tough. But the entire community um, uh, with the University of New Mexico, the athletic department, the baseball team specifically, um, it's been difficult. And they've been grieving. Um, and they're actually going to go back out on the field tomorrow night, Friday night, the 10th, um, as they start a three-game series against UNLV. And so there's going to be a special um, – a special moment for Jackson Weller prior to the game. Um, there's just been an outpouring of love from other athletic programs, teams, uh, people in the community in, in Albuquerque. Um, you know, Albuquerque uh, has has a crime issue, you know, and there are um, have been a number of shootings. You know, I haven't looked at the exact stats, but I'm certain that it's far more than the average city in the United States. Um, as far as shootings, there's unsolved murders. Um, and this was an incident that happened, you know, on a Friday night, you know, and it's um, – you know, stupid things happen um, late at night, you know, especially when some alcohol is involved. And uh, it ended um, with a gunshot and a young man lost his life. And, you know, um, the other interesting angle to this, at least for me personally, and I'm happy to share this with you in the podcast. Um, you know, I was talking to my mom about it and, you know, my my mother, um, you know, obviously cares about her grandchild, cares about you know, my, me, my wife, Kim, my daughter, Shannon. Um, but, you know, my father um, was also murdered in a bar fight when he was 23, same age as Jackson Weller, um, at a time when my mom was pregnant with me. I never actually met my father. Um, and so, you know, when I was growing up, that whole story was, you know, almost something from mythology, you know, because it was someone that I never really met in my life, yet other people always talked about my father. Um, but then when this incident happened at the University of New Mexico, um, I see what a young man Jackson Weller is or was and the promise that he had and a great life in front of him. And I think that that's, that could have been that, – that was my father in 1964, um, he was also 23, also in a bar fight, and also lost his life. And so I, I just think this through, and it's, um, you know, it's been a tough week for me personally, just handling all this. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, is my wife Kim and I, we, we actually flew out to Albuquerque Saturday morning, um, and we were going to help my son Trevor moved out of his dorm room. Um, they have to be actually out of the dorms by next weekend. And we were going to move like 80% of the stuff. So, you know, you get the Southwest ticket and you can bring two bags for free. So we brought the biggest suitcases that we had and we got about 80% of his stuff out. And, um, but you know, when we, when we, um, we were actually in the airport in Phoenix on our layover before we went to Albuquerque. And that's when we got a text from our son, Trevor, that, shared with us what happened. And, and then he was in the middle of a team meeting um, that Saturday morning, and it only had happened hours earlier. Um, so he was he was going through a tough time. And so we, we got a chance to obviously see, see our son Trevor, um, consoled him, grieved together. And then... Um, and then the following day, you know, we went out to dinner with Trevor and a couple of his teammates. And 
you know, these are all young men. They're 19. They're freshmen in college. They just moved away from home. And now here's a guy that they were close with that isn't here anymore. I mean, they were, they were still shell-shocked. Um, you know, I remember when I was in high school, this happened. Um, there were two people in my high school class that lost their lives, um, one in a motorcycle crash and another one in a car accident. And the one in the motorcycle crash, I never really knew her. And it was freshman year, and I didn't go to the same middle school, so I didn't really know her. Um, but the the one from the car crash um, was a gentleman, you know, a young man that I did know. He was in my classes. I wasn't a really close friend with him. But a lot of my friends were close friends with him, and they went through a tough moment. And I could see that on their face and what they went through. And now, now my son's going through it. So, and I'm sure there's other people here in Poway that are going through it um, with the Chabad shooting um, and the you know the family and friends, you know of of you know the the lady that lost her life, um, Lori Gilbert K. Um, so uh, it's just been a tough time, you know. And um, you know how do how do we solve these things in society? <laughs> It's hard. It's they're complex issues. Um, you hear people. You know, I, I offered some of my thoughts after the Poway Habad shooting. Um, you know, the, the thoughts um, that come to mind for the University of New Mexico incident with Jackson Weller in Albuquerque. There are different elements involved. I mean, guns are a common link to it. All of it is a gun control issue. Who knows? I mean, it's a whole can of worms to try to solve these things. So I'm not going to get into that tonight, but. Um, I just want to let you know so some of the things that are on my mind. But all right, so let's turn the page. Um, I want to talk about comfort zones. And so um, this is something that um, I've been really thinking about a lot lately. Um, and I thought it'd be a really good topic to share in the podcast. Um, you know, do you ever get into comfort zones? You sort of feel like you're in a rut. You know, you, you, you sort of dream about change, but nothing ever happens. You kind of get into the same rhythm in your life, kind of doing the same thing every day. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm like that to a large degree in certain categories of my life. And, um, and, and even to a far greater degree, you know, years ago, a number of years back, I was in a much greater rut. It's, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to try to extract yourself out of that rut. I mean, for me, I have like a routine every morning, you know, I wake up, I, you know, make myself usually like a protein shake in the morning. I sit and, um, you know, check the news on my computer. I might put up like a, you know, cable news station just in the background, just to see if there's any headlines. And then I try to journal. I mean, that's one thing I've been doing. You know, I had a podcast about journaling. Um, and I really, that's when I try to journal and, um, it's a great time to do it when your mind is fresh and you're planning out your day. So there are some, I guess, routines that are positive. I think that's a good one. Um, but, you know, there, there are other things like, you know, you can think about your, you know, the things you do at work or maybe more broadly, you think about your career and are you in a rut there? And I know that I was in a rut with my career coming out of the Great Recession. Again, I spoke about that in the whole Believing in Yourself episode a few, a few um, episodes back. But we can get into those ruts and, and you can develop bad habits. Um, you know, for me, I, um, I, I, have, <laughs> I have for a long time, I've had a really bad habit. I drink way the hell too much Diet Coke. 
but I've been really working at that, trying to minimize it. Um, but that's just another rut, you know, another comfort zone. You kind of go to certain things, you know, maybe for you or maybe you have some comfort zones yourself. You know, maybe if you're watching or listening, I'd encourage you to ask yourself that, you know, what are some of the things you do the the maybe there are certain foods uh, maybe there are certain routines certain things you do on certain days and that comfort zone you know you know it, it's you can understand why people get into comfort zones it you don't have to take any risks you know you just kind of do what you've always done you um you do what's comfortable um and that can reduce anxiety because when you're doing new things, it's, it's, it can be um, unnerving. It can be very uncomfortable. Um, and so it's easy just to revert back to that comfort zone. You know, for some people, comfort zones are just a, like a coping mechanism, right? You know, maybe there are parts of their life that are really stressful. Um, maybe they have difficulty and, you know, in their relationships and their job, or maybe they're having health concerns. And then falling into comfort zones, into comfortable routines might just be their way of coping with the challenges they're facing, with the complex world that exists, like I kicked off the podcast with. You know, so I can understand why people get into these comfort zones because I've been there. Um, but I'm, I'm really trying to get beyond it because, um, you know, here I'm 54 years old and – um, you know, I'm at kind of a, an interesting inflection point, you know, um, in my life, uh, because I, you know, just starting last summer, my wife, Kim and I, we became empty nesters. And th when that happens, it's a very big shift, um, because no longer are your children's lives and activities, a central part of your life. They're they're a part of your life, but it's just not right in your face. And there's a lot less activity. You know, when my kids are here, um, when they were younger, we were always going to, um, you know, softball games and basketball games and baseball games and out of out of uh, state tournaments or or up to L.A. for tournaments. Um, and then suddenly when all of that's gone, um, you know, it's a good time to kind of reflect and and challenge some of those comfort zones. That's what I've been trying to do. And so, um, you know, I've been really, um, especially over the last nine months, really pushing myself to kind of break free of some of this. And I've been taking, you know, little steps. And I think it's been very helpful. And so, I mean, what are the things that I've done? Um, I've I've taken personal responsibility for my situation. You know, I think about the um, the habits I have, the things I do, and I say, well, those are my choices. And um, I'm choosing to be in those situations. Now I need to choose to change those situations. Um, I need to know there's going to be risk. I need to know it's going to be uncomfortable and I have to embrace it. And I've been really pushing myself to do that. Um, I've been journaling and I, I, I've been journaling now pretty consistently for about six years or so, and it's been extremely helpful. Um, and, you know, in the journal, I can, you know, I was just kind of talking about goals and aspirations and s sometimes being a little bit more in the dreaming phase of breaking out of a comfort zone. Uh, but now my journaling is a lot more proactive. It's a lot more action oriented, um, where I use that journaling process to kind of help 
prepare my to-do list for each day. And that's been very helpful to kind of push me along. But, you know, so much of this is just, it's all mental. Um, but I've found that by making just some small steps, I've had some great improvement. And I think you want to see some examples. This podcast, oh my God, this podcast is a huge deal for me and my psyche and what I'm trying to do to break out of comfort zones. So, you know, I started this podcast um, shortly after I became an empty nester. My, my, um, my son, who was our last, you know, we have two children. He was my youngest. He moved out in August. And then the first episode for this podcast was in September. And so um, this, for me personally, has been an amazing experience doing this podcast for so many different reasons. Um, and they've all been really helpful for me to sort of grow more and to move forward more, you know, because when you're 54 years old, you can sometimes you can say, well, can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you, you kind of need to learn and keep moving forward. And so the I mean, just to share some some detail, you know, putting this podcast together, I had to learn about how to do a podcast. What about the technology? And I knew a little bit about, um, you know, some of the audio technology because I used to play in a band, but I knew nothing about video. And so how do I do video? How do I you know, synchronize the audio and the video. So I've, I've learned a lot about, you know, podcasting, hosting, and, and uh, um, some of the other podcasters, some of the things that they're doing to make their shows interesting. I've been um, learning how to be a host when I do my interviews. That's been an interesting process. Uh, but on the technical side, I've had to learn about, um, you know, signal boosters and Adobe Audition and Adobe Premiere, you know, Audition is the audio recording, Premiere the video. So I'm like becoming adept at it. And it's pretty exciting because I'm developing new skills as I go through this. And immediately I can see that those new skills are going to be really helpful to um, not only for this podcast, but I can see how it's going to help me in other aspects of my business and some of the things that I can do for my clients. So it's been really interesting how, the you know putting myself in this position of creating this podcast kind of not only breaks you out of the rut but it all of a sudden it opens your eyes to all these other opportunities and these different things that can be done in in your life in your career and it um it's exhilarating it really is and now the the latest thing that I've been doing is um really learning about Facebook advertising and um, this is a cat, you know, I, I own a marketing agency. I do a lot of work with databases um, and I, I do a bit on, um, well, actually a lot more than a bit in terms of digital marketing, um, but hadn't really done Facebook advertising before. And so like over the last two weeks, I've really made it my mission to learn it, to understand it. I've got a campaign running right now for the John Riley Project, um, you know, targeting different, different audience segments with different messages, you know, just really trying to build the audience, build, um, you know, kind of expand, um, you know, the, the universe of people that hopefully will be consuming the content in this podcast. So, um, you know, just taking that on has been really, really exciting. And the, the great thing with all of this is that the internet is just so amazing. There, there, there are, there is a, um, just a, an avalanche of information out there that you can teach yourself new things very easily. Um, there are 
online courses that exist. Um, there are people that do, um, you know, some of these online courses are free. Some have to pay money, but I've actually paid money for certain online courses. They've been extremely helpful. Um, and then, of course, there's a tremendous amount of free content out there. Um, and you can even just learn by watching other people perform the craft. So um, if you're ever thinking about, you know, maybe you're on a career path that you're not excited about and you want to make a switch, you know, just take the time just to learn um, and grow. And you'll be shocked at how much opportunity is out there on the internet. It's just, it's just an abundance of, um, of content, of information to, that can really help you. Um, and, and you can do it on your own. You don't have to go and pay thousands of dollars for training courses. You can teach yourself. And it's, it's just really, really empowering. So um, other things, I mean, th- with this podcast, Breaking Out of My Comfort Zone, I've met a lot of new people. And I've talked about that before. I met some really interesting people. And some of them be- have turned into friends. And, you know, and then, heck, I got to know Pete Neald in one of the podcasts. And then we've had multiple ones. And now I was up with him at the Long Beach Grand Prix a few weekends ago. Um, so, you know, the same thing with a lot of my other guests. I've gotten to know them and building relationships. That's been exhilarating. But, you know, another thing that's... Um, for me, I guess the area that I've always felt the greatest level of anxiety or maybe even felt like I was taking the biggest risk was having the confidence to sit here in front of a camera and a microphone and not just share my views on things, which in and of itself is a lot, but to really talk about issues that um, that are very volatile issues. Um, like in the... In the podcast that I did um, last week about the Poway Habad shooting, um, you know, obviously a, a really emotional topic here in Poway. Um, people lost their lives. People were injured. Um, you know, there's been a huge coming together in Poway, um, a, a lot of healing. But, you know, I, I shared some my thoughts on that podcast as it related to things we can do to move forward and, you know, breaking down stereotypes and the irrationality of stereotyping. And, um, yeah, and I, I talked about it from the political left perspective as well as the political right perspective. Um, and, you know, I, I knew by taking that on, I was going to get some heat. I knew it for sure. And sure enough, I have, um, you know, some people have challenged me on some of those ideas and, um, you know, at first you know, when, again, you're, it's so easy to not do this. (laughs) It's so easy not to have a podcast and just sit in my office and watch Game of Thrones, um, for the fourth complete time. I've, I've, I've actually watched it three times all the way through. I could be watching it the fourth time all the way through. Um, but I'm choosing to do this to allow myself to grow and to take risks Um, and it's scary sometimes, um, I can have a great deal of anxiety, um, but I feel good about it. I learn, I'm learning so much. Um, you know, I'm learning from talking with others. Um, and I think to a great degree, I'm, I'm trying to do what I've always thought should be done, which is to have these kinds of conversations and to talk about these issues, but do it in a civil and respectful manner um, 
to to listen, to be inquisitive, but not to be don't be shy, you know, still share your thoughts and then work these things out without it turning into a screaming match or a personal attack, et cetera. So that's what I've been really trying to do in this podcast. And um, I think I'm accomplishing that to a, a great degree. Um, but it's, you know, I'm well out of my comfort zone. You know, maybe you can maybe even say I'm sort of over my skis at times because sometimes I'll comment on issues that, you know, I'm not an expert on the issue. Um, I, I know enough to be dangerous. I know enough to have an opinion. Um, but by no means am I the professional expert that, you know, has written books on these topics and is an accomplished public speaker on these topics. Not at all. But I still try to put myself out there, but still do it as intelligently as I can um, within my my limited ability. And um, it's helpful. So um, for me, yeah, this podcast is um, extremely um it, it, it's a really a big deal for me personally um, because it's pushing me to get out of my comfort zone. I mean, I'm just putting myself out there um, and uh, it can be dangerous. And I know that what I'm putting out on in the, into the Internet, you know, whether it's an audio podcast or on YouTube, it's out there forever. And I know that that could bite me in the ass at some time. And, and hopefully it never will, um, because I'm just trying to be honest and um candid and just speak what I believe the truth is. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's just really challenging, uh, but exhilarating at the same time. So I don't know, maybe for you, there's a project you want to start. Um, it doesn't have to be a podcast or maybe it is a podcast. If, if you want to do that, let me know. I'll help you do it. I'll help you get it set up and I'll share some ideas with you. Um, but um, you know, maybe there's a new project you might want to take on to help you get out of a comfort zone. I mean, for me, this has been huge. There's a few other things that I've been doing. Um, I've really wanted to get out and explore more. And so, especially since New Year's. So I've been traveling a lot on weekends and Sometimes I'm with Kim and we'll fly, um, you know, to my daughter's triathlon um, that she did the nationals in um, um, in Tempe, Arizona. That was like last month. Um, and we, like I said, we were just in Albuquerque. We flew out there. But then I've been driving all over the place, too. I've, I've made multiple trips driving out to Albuquerque, one of which I did in my electric car, which I did a podcast episode on. Um, and um, but I'm trying to do more. And so one of the other things that I've done, this has been a goal that I established last year, is that I want to visit every one of the California missions. And I'm about halfway done. Um, so it's just another thing that kind of driving me to get out of the house, explore, have my own personal adventures that are just, I mean, selfishly for me. Excuse me. Um, you know, the rest of my family isn't really into it like I am, um, and they'd rather do their own thing, and that's fine. So um, when I have a moment, when I have a free day on a weekend, um, I've been driving um, to these different missions, and I've been enjoying them. And actually, Kim joined me when we went to the one at uh, San Luis Rey in Oceanside, and that actually turned out to be a nice afternoon. There was like a Mexican bakery right next to the to the mission. It was just f- fabulous um, tortillas. They were freshly made. Oh, my God. Um so if you get a chance, I mean, yeah, it's literally right next door to the San Luis Rey Mission and, and Oceanside. You got to go. Um, so I've now gotten to every episode, excuse me, every mission south of Paso Robles, which is just north of San Luis Obispo, every single one of those except for one. 
And so um, I'm hoping to visit that one and then begin going after the ones that are north in Northern California. And that's, you know, those will be multiple weekend trips. Um, the other thing that um, I'm trying to combine with this is, is some of my – I've been doing a lot of uh, research on my family ancestry. I signed up on Ancestry.com, and um, I did that a couple of years ago. And I go in spurts, you know, and I've been making – building my family tree for me has been like this puzzle. And I've been putting it together, and I've, I've amassed like a really big tree um, – that right now has gone backwards, probably about eight generations. Um, and, uh, uh, but I still need a lot more, I have to do a lot more work, but having that as a project also gets, breaks my comfort zone because it gets me out of the house. And so while I'm doing some online work, I'm um, also traveling and just capturing photos of, of, um, of grave sites, of homes that different family members have lived in. And so the next trip that I'm planning will be this summer. I want to go to Butte, Montana. And that's where um, I have some history, some family history on the Riley side has come from Butte. um, And I've never been there. And my grandmother used to always talk about Butte, Montana. Um, So maybe I'll make the trip out there this summer. That's one of my goals. Um, I'm trying to make incremental improvement in my eating and and drinking habits. Um, Like I told you, I drink too much Diet Coke. Um, But I've been drinking a lot more water lately. Um, I've been drinking a lot more, I guess, carbonated beverages without caffeine, uh, more of the Diet 7-Up rather than the Diet Coke. I think that's progress. Um, so I'm trying to just keep breaking out of that comfort zone, um, and I'm working at it. So what do I got here? I got a, I got my tea here, which is actually I got the Keurig. That was just all part of the process as well. So um, I've been drinking, you know, especially this winter, I've been getting and winter in Poway, you know, um, it gets to be 48 degrees. Ooh, but <laughs> for me, I get cold. I guess that's cause I'm getting older. Um, so I, I never was a coffee drinker. Um, but I got it cause I wanted to have a warm drink, uh, to make it easy to have a warm coffee. And so I've been doing that and here I got some tea and this has been wonderful. So I'm working at it. Um, what do I got here? Some diet ginger ale, <laughs> Canada Dry. So this is actually really good too. And so, you know, it's it's part of an incremental phase down um, to have less caffeine, less um, diet coke, and eventually getting to water. Because um, I know if I go cold turkey, I'm going to have challenges, and I'll end up reverting back to the comfort zone. And I've I felt that going through this process has been really helpful. I just kind of keep nudging myself, and I'm making progress. So the next big challenge for me in terms of breaking out of my comfort zone is, is, is biking. Um, it's something that I used to do, you know, I was, you know, um, you know, I was a very serious uh, BMX racer back in my teenage years, um, and I've dabbled with it off and on as an adult, and I still play around with it. But I want to get a little more serious about getting back on my bike and just riding more consistently. Um, that's my next breakthrough that I'm hoping to make, to get out of my comfort zone, to get my ass off the couch um, and, uh, and to just get myself outside and doing more things. Um, so for me, this notion of breaking out of comfort zones has been a really, really big focus of my life, um, really mainly since the, um, you know, we became empty nesters, but then also since New Year's. So I just wanted to share that with you. And I don't know if, if you, you know, maybe you're in a comfort zone and you're happy there. 
and you know you don't want to mess around and just leave me alone and like okay if that's what you if you're happy where you are then by all means stay in your happy zone but if you're in a place where it, your comfort zone is really an escape you know it's uh it's a way to you know cloak yourself from the outside world and maybe it's a way to decompress de-stress and ultimately if maybe it's preventing you from living your life you know we talk about this podcast it's about life liberty and the pursuit of happiness if that comfort zone is limiting your ability to live your life to the fullest it can be to live your life and flourish as much as you can then i encourage you to Take a look at it and maybe ask yourself some hard questions and challenge yourself. Um, and and if you do decide you want to break out of your comfort zone, my recommendation is just take baby steps. Um, doing something, you know, all or nothing is hard to do. To go binary and turn your light switch from off to on is hard to do. Um, but if you can make little incremental progress each day, you know, over the course of a few weeks, a few months, you'll be surprised how much progress you'll make. So I encourage you to do that. Um, okay. So uh, at this point, I just want to say, you know, for all of you that are watching, thanks. Um, I'm really interested in feedback um, and and having more guests. I'm going to have a guest actually later this evening. Um, we'll be recording episode number 50. And we have a special guest that will be visiting us here from Poway. And I'm um, looking forward to that conversation. But um and I've got a number of other guest interviews that are lined up this month, but I'm always looking for more. So if you know anyone that would like to be a guest on the podcast, I invite you to reach out to me at johnreillyproject.com. Uh, there you can fill out a form and uh, let me know if you're interested. Uh, many of you might see me on social media. I'm pretty active on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, my handle on Twitter and Instagram is John Riley Poway. Um, on Facebook, you know, I've got my regular my, I've got my personal account. I got the John Riley Project account um, on Facebook, and then I've got another page. It's a, it's like a closed group called this, the John Riley Project Insiders Group. You're welcome to join that closed group. You got to answer a few questions. I let everybody in. And again, I'm trying to push more content there. Again, more breaking out of my comfort zone. So there's a lot of ways to reach me. So if you know anyone, maybe you want to be a guest. Let me know. It may, if you would uh, like to recommend someone, let me know. In fact. Just this week, you know, mostly from my uh, comments about the Poway Habad shooting, I had one person who I've known for some time that contacted me and said, I want to be a guest. I said, all right. And so we booked them. Um, I'm not saying the names yet because I just want to make sure we get the episode recorded. And the second person was someone that took me up on my offer in the Poway Habad uh, podcast I opened it up and said, I invite someone, anyone to join me. And someone took me up on that offer and we're going to have a conversation later this month as well, which I think is going to be really good. Um, so at any rate, um, if you know other guests, let me know. I'm, I'm always interested in, in having more conversation. All right. Um, just want to go back to one of my old segments. I used to always do the good, the bad and the ugly. It's just kind of some quick hitting comments on a variety of things. First, the good. Um, Here's some guys that I, this all goes back to the believe in yourself podcast. And these guys believed in themselves. How about Alex Dickerson, um, Poway high guy. Um, he has been battling injury and he has finally made it back to the major league roster for the San Diego Padres. 
this is a, a great success story. You know, he he had um, injuries when he was in the minor leagues and he had to have surgery on his foot. Um, then he finally makes it to the big leagues with the Padres after he was traded from the Pirates, had some success. There was a lot of hope. And then um, he ended up having lost one year to back surgery, lost a year and more to uh, Tommy John surgery with an arm injury. And you figure this guy is going to definitely be down for the count, but he just never gave up and he kept plugging away. And now he's back and, and he's back on the roster. We figured there was no way they were going to have any more outfielders, but you know, you never see how these things play out. Other guys got hurt, opportunity opened up, and he was killing it at AAA El Paso. So bravo, Alex Dickerson, uh, Poway High grad, class of 2008. Um, another big uh, shout out in the good column. Chris Paddock was just awesome uh, earlier this week when uh, when he pitched against uh, Jacob DeGrom and the New York Mets. He's got a little rivalry going on with Pete Alonso, but it's all in good spirits. Uh, but it's all part of his persona. That guy fiercely believes in himself and he just goes and gets after it. And um, he, he, he is not in a comfort zone. He's constantly pushing. And I love what that guy is doing. I mean, aside from the fact that he's getting great results as an athlete, I just love his, his persona, his attitude, his mindset. I mean, he's, he can conquer the world the way this guy really goes about his business. So he's definitely in the good column. And then I'll get more baseball, but Hunter Renfro, did you see that grand slam against the the LA Dodgers last weekend? Oh my God. And then he's been hitting more homers earlier this week. So Renfro having a great week. Um, and then um, how about the Poway high school Titans baseball team? Um, they just won the Palomar league. They beat Rancho Bernardo yesterday in a two, one game with a, they, they scored the game on a, Walk off in the bottom of the seventh. Um, that going into that game, they were ranked number two in the county. It's possible they come out of this ranked number one. I know the playoffs are going to start next week. They'll be in the open division. They'll either be the one or the two seed. It's like well, they're having a great season, and the pitching for that team has been great. And they've got a lot of good clutch hitters. So, tip of the cap to the Poway Titans varsity baseball team. Palomar League champions and hopefully more. And let's look forward to that. And then um, the other big shout out is uh, to, um, uh, you know, Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan Markle. They, they just had a child. Um, Archie is the name. And um, it's funny, I, like, as I'm such a baseball nerd and I think of um, I see Archie, I start thinking, remember Archie Cianfraco? <laughs> Archie Cianfraco was a player for the Expos and the Padres. He was a great guy. And um, when I see that name, I just think of that. So, but at any rate, um, you know, after a while, I, I used to not really pay attention to the whole, you know, British royalty business. Um, but I watched that um, uh, that Netflix um, series. And what was it called? Was it called The Queen? I think it's called the queen. It's really good. Um, and so now I'm not, I'm not saying I have an appreciation for the royalty, but I understand it more and I understand why people get mesmerized by it all. So anyways, um, I think it's worthy of a shout out to them. So congratulations to them on, on their new baby child, um, in the bag category, some of these topics are, are deep ones. I'm just going to skim the surface. This whole business about social media banning, you're starting to see this and, you know, um, you know, some of these people have been banned from Facebook, you know, Louis Farrakhan, Alex Jones. And there's a there's a list of some of these people. Um, and uh, 
it's created this firestorm of controversy, as you'd expect. And one of the things you'll often hear people inaccurately say is that um, this is an attack on free speech. But it's not because free speech is really that's, you know, in our First Amendment and Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech, which means the government cannot restrict the words you say. Um, But um, sometimes people carry this further and they think that other organizations and companies and Facebook and Twitter shouldn't have the ability to prevent what you say. And they and they go back to freedom of speech as their reason. And. I mean, maybe from the spirit of the of the idea, that makes sense. But from a legal perspective, it doesn't. Because think about like a local newspaper. I mean, you could submit letters to the editor, but they're under no obligation to print them. Um, so it's the same thing in Facebook. If people are posting things that Facebook doesn't like, it, they are within their rights legally to police their platform. And that should be respected. Um, now, on the other hand, you know, you're starting to see the politicization of this. You know, who are they screening? Are they eliminating liberal voices or conservative voices or libertarian voices? And and so a lot of people are trying to read between the lines on some of this. And yes, yeah, a lot of this is politically motivated, especially after all the stuff that happened in the 2016 election. Um, so I'm hopeful that these social media platforms that they exercise their right to control their property, but in a very, very limited fashion. That they should be, I would hope that they are embracing a free exchange of ideas um, and that they are allowing the market to work and allow people to speak freely because that's what we need in a free society. Um, And really... If they have to eliminate people, it's got to be only in the most extreme cases. And ideally, they play it even handedly. Um, Who knows if that'll happen? But that's what I'm hoping, hopeful for. And it's interesting. The other angle to it is, is that Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, you know, he's now asking the government to regulate them more. I just kind of chuckle at that. I see regulations often as a... um, a way that large corporations will rig markets in their favor and make it more difficult for their competition. And I think that's partly what Zuckerberg is doing here. And I think that we got to be very careful here because if if the social media platforms have the ability to greatly suppress speech and do it from a political perspective, which they should have the legal right to do, but if they go down that path then we can't make it more difficult for competitive social media platforms to come up. We've got to be able to have a free and open market to allow more competition um, and have more options. So if Facebook starts to go down you know, the crazy lane and, and they really start leaning one way or the other really aggressively, then people could just say, well, the heck with you, Facebook, I'm going to go over to this other platform. But my concern is, is that when Zuckerberg is asking for Facebook to be regulated, he really means he wants the whole industry regulated. And that's going to make it more difficult for new companies to enter the marketplace. So it's another barrier to entry. But anyways, this is that's a big, deep topic, this social media banning business. But the other kind of uh, angle on this, and this just came out in the news this morning, is one of the co-founders of Facebook wrote an op-ed in the New York Times saying, 
that it's time now to break up Facebook. And some people are like cheering it on. They're saying, thank goodness. I mean, Elizabeth Warren out on the campaign trail, she's calling for the breakup of a lot of these large tech companies um, and then even large companies outside of technology, which is a common angle that you'll get from progressives that really want to limit corporate power and they feel companies need to be broken up. And I think coming out of 2016 when Facebook had – um, you know, some, a certain amount of influence, and I think we can debate that, uh, but a certain amount of influence in the election results, um, you know, people think that it, we need to regulate it more or maybe even break up these companies. And so, you know, the, the, the rallying cry usually is um, we need to break up these companies. They have too much control. And I'm thinking to myself, we got this backwards, friends. Um, the government has too much control. We need to break up the government uh, because they're now creating all these roadblocks, like I said, with the Facebook regulation example that makes it hard for, harder for entrepreneurs to enter the marketplace. And you can look at this. I mean, let's not just focus on, on social media, but look at it more broadly in the economy. You know, you have to get a license from the state of California to to be a hairdresser, to um, you know, there's a, a whole to to be a tree trimmer. You've got to get permission from the government. These are and a lot of times you got to go through all these trainings and certification. These are things that are crafted by the establishment to make it really hard for new people to come in to the market and compete for business. Um, so and you see this also with you know a lot of the regulatory environment with taxes that they're that are set up where the larger established organizations can easily um, handle those obstacles, but little guys have a lot of trouble. And then there's the whole topic of schools, um, you know, where everyone is in, you know, distress about the quality of our schools and now lately the safety of our schools. Um, what can be done? But we all know that the public um, school system, the government controls it. And yeah, sure, there are private schools, but they're a tiny fraction of the overall student population that go to the private, you know, K through 12. Um, I, th- I often say, you know, we need to have school choice. We need to have vouchers. We need to give that that child in a um, from a poor family in a community, maybe it's rural, maybe it's suburb, maybe, excuse me, maybe it's suburb or maybe it's urban where this child is from a poor family, but they really want to pursue a quality education, but their local government school may not be a very good learning environment. You know, there may be the quality of teaching may be poor. The environment for learning may be distracting. Um, There might be crime and violence in their school. There might be, they may be surrounded with other students that don't have a strong work ethics to pursue education. But then there are other schools, and we're blessed here in the Poway Unified School District where schools here academically are very good. Um, You know, they have room for improvement, of course. Um, But imagine a child in a really difficult spot. If they had an option to, to use a school voucher and come to Poway, to Poway Unified, that would be a huge step forward for them. Maybe a poor family in our next door city, Escondido. But um, the system is set up to make that very, very difficult. And then if maybe the government schools and the public schools in that particular community are not good, there might be a really good private school um, 
that has great quality of teaching. And in fact, the cost per student per year may often be less expensive than what's paid in the, in the public schools. And that's true here in Poway. There's a, um, um, a Catholic school called St. Um, Michael's that's really close to my home on Pomerado Road. The, if you look at their tuition, um, it is less than what Poway Unified is funded um, to pay for the students on a per year, per student basis. And then at um, at St. Uh, Michael's, they even give discounts for multi-children. And so it's interesting. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, vouchers could really open this up. Um, but the government has such tight control over that. And so I see situations where people are saying these corporations need to be broken up. They've got too much power. And I'm thinking, no, the government needs to be broken up. We need to Unleash. We need more liberty. We need to have uh, give people the the, the ability to choose um, rather than being kind of pigeonholed and forced. But we're seeing more of this. If you look at a lot of the candidates that are running for president now, uh, many of them are calling for more government control, more. Uh, in some cases, nationalization of industries, um, more regulations, um, more taxes, more power for government, less power for individuals, less power for entrepreneurs. Um, I think that's a serious problem. So when I see people saying we need to break up Facebook, I'm thinking, yeah, well, Facebook's got their issues. Facebook is very large um, and they've got a lot of power. I understand that. But Breaking up Facebook is way down the list. Um, breaking up the the grip of government on our educational system is far more important. Um, and I think we've got to be innovative and think out of the box um, on how we can do that. Um, but at any rate, so anyways, that's the, the Facebook stuff. But yeah, what else? There's other categories where government's pushing for more control. I mean, look at immigration, walls, people in cages, um, and, and then tariffs. And oh my God. So this, the good, the bad, the ugly. Okay, now we're in the ugly segment. And we're getting to President Trump. And he's really pushing, he's doubling down on these tariffs with China. And I did a podcast, I don't know, it was like, maybe it was last year when Trump was calling himself tariff man. This whole thing, this trade war with China is absolutely foolish. It's the stupidest thing uh, because uh, – how do I say – let me – how do I break this down? OK. First of all, when, when, when the United States applies tariffs on Chinese products, who pays those tariffs? Americans do. American consumers – well, first, the, the, ta- the tariff is applied to the importer, the company that receives the imported goods and then distributes it. And then they just pass that cost all the way down the chain. So consumers like you and me are the ones that pay the tariffs. So this whole thing about America first, make America great again, well, you're increasing our costs. And people say, well, yeah, that's going to make our products more competitive. But you're doing it by distorting the market and rigging it for the those American corporations. That's cronyism. If we can import lower cost products from overseas, that's a win. That means we spend less and we have cash left over that we can buy more things. We can invest our money, save our money. We could put that money to more productive use. Um, and if and imagine if you're a poor person, your money only goes so far. And if the price of goods keeps increasing, I mean, they just did a report that the price of washing machines have gone, has gone up over $100 a unit because of these tariffs. And now Trump really wants to just 
you know, apply the accelerator uh, because he's in this grudge mode, this deal where he feels like he's got to win um, and make the other side lose. And that's part of my um, part of my uh, dissatisfaction with President Trump is he sees the world as win lose, um, where I like to think of it as win win. Like, how can we cooperate so we both emerge from this victorious? rather than how do we make that person a loser while I'm a winner. Um, and those are, those are some of the challenges. And so, and then there's been a whole slew of other, I guess in the ugly category that's come out about president Trump. I guess he lost over a billion dollars in the eighties and nineties. Now I know a lot of that's paper, you know, and investments in, in real estate, but still, um, for a man that's touted himself to be, you know, one of the wealthiest men on the planet, um, you know, so that was interesting. And then now there's more obstruction, this whole uh, Bob Barr and contempt in Congress. So there's just a lot of ugliness that's going on, and I'm concerned. Um, some of the, um, you know, Pelosi came out today, and she was saying that, you know, we have a constitutional crisis, and other people have been saying that. And I think to a degree we have that because the executive branch has been trending in this direction for decades more and more power to the executive branch, less and less power to Congress. And now we're at a whole new level um, with President Trump. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're really addressing this. So let's see what happens. But there's there's some concern there as well. So that's my good and the badly segment, good, bad and the ugly segment. Um, but, yeah, I encourage you to follow me on social media. I'm doing another one of my campaigns. I'm putting out some inspirational quotes, um, just trying to get my podcast name out there. Uh, but I encourage the feedback. If you see some of the posts that I have on social media and you like them, uh, please like them. You know, Feel free to share them because I'm just trying to expand the audience and, um, and trying to grow this project. Uh, but I want to really thank you for if you made it this far, for listening, for watching. Um, you know, Share this with a friend. If you're on iTunes, you know, leave a rating. Um, you can leave one to five stars. That would be really helpful. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Um, that would be great. You know, I'm really trying to, I've been doing some goal setting. So I'm trying to increase the people that are following my, my social media accounts and the people that are um, subscribing to my YouTube page. So that's helpful to not only build the audience, but it also helps me build credibility around this project. So if there are more people following, then, you know, it, it kind of, becomes a little bit more, yeah, credible in, in some people's eyes. So th- that's helpful if you can do that. Um, so um, what else? Um, I guess I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, what time is it now? It's got to be like about 4.30 or 5. Uh, my guest is going to be arriving at 6. So we're going to do two podcasts today. So I'll probably produce these late tonight or sometime tomorrow and they'll be online. Um, but I just want to close with this. And it all goes back to our comfort zone. This is from a gentleman named Roy Bennett. And he's an author of the book, The Light in the Heart. I don't know who he is or the book, but I love the quote. That was a great one. And, you know, this, this works on so many levels with a lot of the themes that we've talked about. Believing in yourself, accept the brutal facts, um, you know, all of these things. So his quote is, do not lie to yourself. We have to be honest about what we want and take risks rather than lie to ourselves and make excuses to stay in our comfort zone. And oh, is that right? You know, so be accountable, take responsibility for your situation that you're in and know that if you want change and you want positive change, you're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to put yourself out there. But I'll tell you what, I've been doing that and it's exhilarating. Um, it's, it's scary at times, but it's, 
exciting. It's fun. Um, I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm meeting new people. Um, I encourage you, if you're in a comfort zone, to take a close look at it, challenge yourself, and hopefully you can be better as well. So at any rate, this is John Riley. This is episode number 49 of the John Riley Project. I am signing off and have a great evening. See you later, everybody. Bye-bye. <music>